Everything Boston Red Sox. This is Red Sox Review on WEEI. go we are closing in on midnight it's the final day day number two of the 20th annual weei nest and jimmy fun radio telethon mike manansky with you here as part of the red sox post game a lot of great guests coming up a major league umpire jeff nelson will join us myself joe castiglione will flemier cast the thousands right here from fenway park we kick off our portion the final portion i guess of our end of the weei nest and jimmy fun radio telethon an amazing amazing couple of days here we have raised a lot of money, and it's because of you folks dialing us up at 877-738-1234 by logging on to jimmyfund.org or by texting KCANCER to 2222 to make a $25 donation. We will try to get you uh, to do that between now and midnight tonight as we wrap up day number two of the two-day 20th annual WEI Nesson Jimmy Fund Radio Telethon. And we start our programming with Major League umpire Phil Cuzzy, who is uh, one of Joe Castiglione's favorites and also a guy who has dealt with his own cancer in his life. Joe had a chance to talk with Major League umpire Phil Cuzzy. We're visiting now with umpire Phil Cuzzy, a veteran uh, who has worked uh, for many years in both the American and National Leagues, and uh, Phil's a guy who really loves baseball and is a cancer survivor. Phil, you're out there in Seattle, huh, for the uh, Nationals and the Mariners? That's it, Joe. Uh, how are you? Good to talk to you. Yes, we uh, we came. Uh, we spent most of the uh, month of August on the West Coast, and uh, we just came from Los Angeles over the weekend. And we're up here in Seattle. We have two games, and then we'll go uh, down to Houston. Very good. Before we get to uh, your battle with cancer and your success story, uh, you're a great story as an umpire, too. I know you worked uh, two or three years as a fill-in in the National League, and then you were out because there were no promotions. And then what happened? You were attending bar, and you got back somehow by making a contact? Well, I, I was I was released. I, you know, like every year, there's AAA umpires that get released, and I had uh, probably about close to 100 uh, days in the National League, and it was devastating, to say the least, that the day before Thanksgiving, I got the phone call from my AAA League president, Branch Rickey, and he said, Phil, I hate to tell you this, but the National League is no longer interested. And uh, it was it was a very, it was a devastating time. It was a devastating phone call. As much as I loved Branch, I hated to hear that. And I said, you know, I'm going to fight my way back. And I was off the field for about three years. And uh, I was working at a hotel in New Jersey. And I, I was informed that um, the new National League president, Len Coleman, was coming into the hotel to spend the night. It was uh, the All-Star game was in Philadelphia that year. And he was hosting the, the Japanese uh, contingency of the uh, Japanese major league uh, Japanese professional league and it, it was it was really just a, it was divine intervention I call it Joe because I had been trying to get back for three years the union was helping me um, and I said you know what I have to uh, I have to just I'm gonna just sit down and write a letter to Len Coleman and just kind of present my life on a page and I happened to bring it that day to the hotel for my sister who worked there to proofread, make sure I didn't spell anything wrong or forget to dot in the eyes. 
And uh, I was told Len Coleman was coming in that night. So I said, this is unbelievable because if I just mailed the letter to New York, what would be the chances it would actually reach his desk? So I had the opportunity to give it to him, slip it under his door, and I waited for him in the morning, and we had a conversation, and he told me that he would call me back. Uh, He said he knew my story. He would call me back uh, after the season that year, and I have to say, a day or two after the World Series that year, he did call me back, and he gave me an opportunity. Uh, He said, against the the better judgment of the attorneys, uh, he's going to give me an opportunity, but I had to go back to A-ball. I had to spend a year in A-ball. So now, at that time, I'm 40 years old. I had to go back to A-ball for a year, double-A for a year, triple-A for a year, and then he said, no guarantees, but I can just guarantee you that you'll be treated fairly. I said, good enough for me. And here I am, uh, 24 years later. And you got back to the big leagues in 99. Wow. That's a story of perseverance, but it shows your love of baseball. And I know even players are aware how much you love this game. Well, you know, I mean, to, to me, it, it was just kind of a natural thing. <clears throat> Which kid in America didn't grow up loving baseball? You know, I, I remember being a kid in, in, in my basement with a TV and, and actually swinging a bat when the pitch came in on TV and, and we, we just played, you know, I mean, uh, we, we played whatever sport it happened to be, but you know, we played baseball, hardball, we played softball, we played stickball. It was just that, that really was my first love was baseball. And the Jersey guy all the way, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Well, uh, baseball and pasta, I have to say, I said the first love, but uh, <laughs> pasta was, yeah, I'm right with you there, man. Hey, Phil, you uh, were almost 60 years old when you got diagnosed with prostate cancer. How did that happen, and where were you treated? Well, you know, Joe, it was, um, had I not had this job where we get physicals every year, I doubt that I would have even have been uh, diagnosed with prostate cancer because it's a simple blood test, and you have no symptoms. It isn't like you feel bad. And, And after this happened to me, all of my buddies, were asking me, what were the symptoms? What did you feel? No symptoms at all. It was only through a, an annual physical, which they, they test your PSA, and my, my level went high. And it had climbed, uh, it had climbed in, in the previous three years. And uh, the doctor said to me, we, you know, we had our annual physicals in, in Arizona every year, along with our meetings. And the doctor said, um, did you fast before you? I said, yeah. He said, well, okay, I don't want you to get nervous. He said, but your PSA is elevated, and I think that you should see an, an oncologist just as a second, you know, just as a precaution. And I did. And sure enough, uh, you know, after, after a um, MRI, um, he said, yeah, you know, um, it looks as though you do have cancer in your prostate. And. Uh, just my experience tells me that uh, that it is cancer, and and that was it. So uh, you know when it came the results when the results came back, he said, "Let's see what you know how much and, uh, and and where it is." Because the problem is, if it breaks through the the prostate wall, the prostate the size of a of a walnut, and if it breaks through that, now you're in a completely different ball game because now it's traveling through your body. So I was very very fortunate that even though uh, it, it had been uh, you know, growing 
for three years, it's still a very slow-growing cancer. And because it didn't break through the wall, but because it was in more places than one, my best option, because there are a few different options, um, my best option was to have it removed. And, you know, it's a scary thing. When you hear that C word, it's like a kick in the gut. That's, that's the way, you know, my, my wife and I both felt when, when the doctor told us that. And, and I just wanted it out. And, and that's, that is what I did. And really, you know, because it was uh, just contained in the prostate, once it was removed, uh, not to really oversimplify it, but it was almost removing like a, like a boil or something like that. It was gone, and that was it. And I really had no side effects, no complications whatsoever. And we're back umpiring how soon? I was back umpiring in three weeks. And, and I, that was the first question I asked the doctor. And um, uh, he said, you know, if you were sitting behind a desk, I, I would say, you know, that you could probably go back to work in a week. He said, but I'm going to let your body dictate to you when you think you can go back. And, you know, I, I had it scheduled a week. I was on vacation and I missed two weeks after that. Uh, the crew was going back to, to Philadelphia. And I said, I think I'll be ready for then. And I, and I came back and that was it. So fortunately, I only really missed two weeks of games, but I was I was out for three weeks. Wow, and you're still going strong, uh, working a regular schedule. That is an outstanding story. And, Phil, I know you were treated at Sloan Kettering, but you're well aware because you come to Fenway to see that Jimmy Fun sign and what we're doing here today with our radio telethon. You know, it's it's I, I, you know coming up National League, I, I didn't come to uh, any American League cities. I guess it was until 2000, 2001. And the first thing I noticed, you know, after looking at the Green Monster, was that Jimmy Fund emblem. And I really didn't know what it was. And they just started asking questions naturally. And then I, I kind of look, and, and then I, I, you know, you and I have had conversations, and I learned that it started back in 1948, which is unbelievable. And uh, it, it's just, it, it's, to, 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 if anyone doesn't know the story, they should really just Google it because. I didn't listen until recently that original Jimmy Fun broadcast with Ralph Edwards, and that was unbelievable. How the yes. Boston Braves went to his hospital room, and I mean, what a, what a great story! And it just only proves, Joe, that people like to give. You know, but they they want to know what the cause is and where the money's going. And with the Jimmy Fun, they they absolutely see that, and that's why it's been so successful. Well, Phil, we certainly appreciate uh, your efforts in this. And uh, now that uh, you can tell your story, I think a lot of people, especially uh, in your age bracket, my age bracket, can really identify with it uh, and uh, how much can be done and how the cures can be possible. By the way, one quick story from you. Tell us about the game on your birthday, August 29, 2000, Pedro Martinez pitching in Tampa Bay. You're the home plate umpire. Yeah, uh, you know, here I'm thinking, gee, what a what a great uh, birthday gift I'm going to have. I'm going to work the plate with Pedro. Little did I know that he would hit Gerald Williams with the first pitch, and that started a uh, uh, that that started a a, a, a a firestorm of of ejections and hit batsmen. And 
uh, and I forget the exact number of, of players that were ejected, but I think it was nine or ten. You might know better. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was some birthday. Uh, instead of what I thought was going to be, you know, having a nice dinner and a glass of wine, I, I spent half the night writing uh, ejection reports. Yeah, Brian Dahlbeck got hurt in the bottom of the dog pile. and uh, But Pedro had almost a no-hitter. John Flaherty led off the ninth with a bloop single. <laughs> So it was a memorable game anyway. Yeah, I, I lost a good dinner, glass of wine, and a no-hitter. <laughs> well, Phil Cousin, we want to uh, congratulate you uh, on a wonderful career. We're so happy that uh, you're totally cancer-free, and we hope we see you again at Fenway this season or on the road somewhere. I appreciate it, Joe. Always a pleasure to talk to you, and good luck with the Jimmy Fund.